What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. I'm your host, Dahani Joseph. Today, we are here to talk about the best number twos in the league. And by number twos, I don't mean shooting guards, although there are some shooting guards on this list. By number twos, I mean you're not the one guy. You're not the, the Kevin Durant's of the world. You're not the Giannis's. You're not the, the Jokic's, Embiid's. You're not those dudes, but you're a tier right below them. You're the guy that in crunch time, maybe if you have a ball-dominant big man like you do with Giannis, sometimes you need to have another guy, a secondary guy in the perimeter to ease the pressure off that number one score. We're talking about the Robin to the Batmans of the world. Number twos are critically important. When you talk about championship success, you look at the best championship teams over the years. You talk about Jordan's Bulls. Who was number two? Who was the Robin in that case? That was Scottie Pippen. Kobe and Shaq, although that was more of a Batman Superman, you can make the argument that for those that three-peat, Shaq was the one, Kobe was the two. So you see the importance of these number two guys. And in the NBA today, I picked 10 teams, five from the East, five from the West. These teams, I believe, are contenders in their respective conferences, and they can potentially make it out of the their respective conference and make it to the NBA Finals. And today, I want to rank and talk about the number twos on these teams. And not they're not all so easy to rank. I mean, for example, Milwaukee, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. Who are you taking in the seven-game series to be that number two next to Giannis? It was a tough call for me. And I'll get into the Bucks situation as well as the other nine teams that I chose to be contenders. And also, we're going to get into Kyrie Irving. He requested a trade yesterday. We talk about all the trade scenarios, if he even will get traded, because to be quite honest, the trade deadline is, what, nine days, not even nine days away. I think it's February 9th, February 10th. Right now I'm recording this on February 4th. There's only so much time left. Are the Nets going to find a deal that they find suitable? Similar to the KD situation, you know, although Kyrie is not on that caliber of KD, he's pretty close. So it's going to be interesting to see what team is going to be able to give up how much, what, like who, what players are going to be available. It's going to be very fascinating to see over the next few days. We're going to get into that and more on this episode of the From Downtown Podcast. Starting off with this list, I first want to preface this by saying I chose the five teams from each conference that I believe are true contenders in the respective conference, the West and the East. There are certain teams that aren't here. For example, the Sacramento Kings, if I'm not mistaken right now, are the third seed. That's a great story. Nothing but love for De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, that whole crew over there. Mike Brown doing a hell of a job coaching for them to you know, break that playoff drought that they had for so many years and being a top, they'll probably end up top four seed, I'm sure. But just to say all that, to see that rather, 
that's amazing for what Sacramento has been for the last, what, since the Chris Webber days, or the tw- 2000s? It's been a while since they've been this good. So shout out to them, but I don't see them as true contenders. The Clippers are not on my list solely because I'm not quite sure what I'm going to get in terms of the health of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and John Wall to a lesser degree. But those three guys are always in and out of the lineups. Will they be ready for playoff time? Will this team be cohesive enough on the offensive end to compete with some of these teams that are on my list? I know they can play defensively, although even sometimes I feel like that defense can falter a little bit. Their offense is not a top 10, top 15 even, borderline 20. Sometimes at points of this season has been below that this season for offense. So the Clippers aren't on my list. That excludes Paul George. That excludes, give or take, whoever you want to do for the Kings, Fox or Sabonis as a number two. For the West, I have the Mavericks as a contender. I just feel like with Luka Doncic, they're always going to be in the mix. He is a generational talent. I truly believe he's going to, one of these years, it might not be this year, but he's going to pull a 07 LeBron and just will a team that shouldn't be in the finals to the finals. It might be this year. It might not be. I don't know. But Luka, just by virtue of the awesomeness that he's been providing for the last however many years he's been in the league, he gets that nod. So I think they're a contender. The Grizzlies. The Warriors, oh, the Warriors right now are the ninth seed. I believe Seth Curry's back. They can start winning games. Hopefully, we'll see what happens with that. They have the Nuggets, and then you have the Pelicans. Even though 10th seed, they've lost 10 in a row, let's say, played last night, and I missed that one, but they are on a 10-game losing streak. Zion has missed time. Ingram has missed time. McCollum has missed time. They haven't really been hold to show how great they can be. And mind you, they were number two, rivaling for number one with Denver for a good stretch until this losing streak started. So you can't take that and say, okay, well, this team isn't good. They are good. They just haven't had their pieces. In the East, the top five seed seeds, Cleveland, Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, although that might shift sooner than later, depending on if Kyrie gets traded or not, and who gets him, and what the Nets get in return, and the Boston Celtics. Number 10, we have the Mavericks, and we have Spencer Dinwiddie. 18 points per game, 3 boards, 5 assists. Spencer Dinwiddie's always been the guy to me that he could be an all-star, depending on the team he's on. We saw early in his career, especially with Brooklyn. He's a shot maker, shot creator, a guy that can facilitate for his teammates. And he needs to do more of that if, like I said, if Luka wants to get to the finals with this team, yes, it's going to be a lot of Doncic isolation. It's going to be a lot of get to his spots, doing whatever he wants, like he's been doing for his entire career. But Spencer Dinwiddie, he's a guy that should be able to alleviate some of that ball handling pressure, especially when Luka's off the bench, or on the bench, rather. Spencer Dinwiddie should be a guy that can take over in a moment's notice. And, yeah, we saw this in Brooklyn, right, when he was shooting the ball at a better clip, when he was not necessarily, yeah, I'll say, yeah, I'll say he was quicker. He looked quicker with the ball. Just be able to get to his spots. 
He can still do that. Of course, like I said, 18 points per game. He can still score. And now that Jalen Brunson is in a New York Knicks uniform, he's basically the de facto second guard on this team, which makes him the number two. Argument for Christian Wood certainly is there. Christian Wood, if I'm not mistaken, close to 17 to 18 points a game himself, getting his boards. He's a guy that you can also say should be a number two. It's between him and Dinwiddie. I'm taking Dinwiddie because I prefer and I value guys that can create their own shots. Christian Wood is a guy that'll pick and pop. He has some post moves, but he's nobody really has that back-to-the-basket game like it was back in the 80s and 90s. He's much more of a pick-and-pop type of dude, lob threat, run out in the open court, maybe spotted for a corner three here or there. But Christian Wood isn't a guy that I want to rely on come postseason time to be that secondary option, a secondary creator, especially when Doncic is off the court. That's a guard's responsibility, and that's why I believe Spencer Dinwiddie, out of these 10 teams that I mentioned, he's the 10th best second option. Number nine, going to head over to Memphis, the Memphis Grizzlies. Desmond Bain who, in my opinion, should have been an all-star. Shout out Jaron Jackson Jr. It was going to be either him or Jackson. And that probably brings you guys to question, why am I taking Desmond Bain over Jaron Jackson Jr.? More or less the same reason I'm choosing Dinwiddie over Christian Wood. Now, I will say, if you want to compare Wood and Jackson Jr., Jackson Jr. is a defensive player of the year candidate in his sleep. He has a length, he has athleticism, he has the savvy on the defensive end. Although early in the early on in his career, and even now to a certain extent, he's been very foul prone. Like he he was just swinging that long wingspan and fouling a lot, especially on contests at the rim. But Christian Wood has been a average to below average defender for his entire career. There's no doubt about that. Even though he has all the defensive tools to be a two way player, Jackson is a two way player. He's one of the best. In the game, there's no doubt about that. Probably why he got the all-star not over Bain, but look at the counting numbers for Bain. He's 22 points tonight, five rebounds, four assists. He turned himself into a borderline all-star. He should have been an all-star this year, but he's right there at the cusp of being an all-star. Probably next year, considering the Grizzlies will continue to be a top team in the West for the foreseeable future because of the brilliance of John Morant. The entire team, the coaching staff, they just have they have that it. And although a lot of people, especially Warriors fans that I know, not saying no names, but they think that the Grizzlies are all talk. And while, yes, they do like to talk a lot, they can back it up. They're going to be a top two, three seed in the West. Probably a top five seed overall in the entire NBA. That's how talented they are. And it's really going to come down to the health of John Morant come postseason time. Because they could have gave the Warriors a real scare. They could have beaten the Warriors in the postseason. Maybe made it to the finals last year. Like, let's not forget when John Morant got hurt. That's when that series flipped on its head. So, with John healthy, let's cross our fingers, hope that he stays healthy. Desmond Bain, all-star caliber guy. Jaron Jackson Jr., supplementary parts. Dylan Brooks got to chill out. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Dylan Brooks, you got to chill out. You're an integral part of this team going to be that key wing defender, especially 
throughout the Western Conference, and if you go to the Eastern Conference, you're most likely going to be facing either a Jason Tatum, uh, a, a KD, uh, Giannis, or Middleton. Take your pick. You're going to have to be there, Dylan Brooks. Getting back to Desmond Bain for a second. Again, when you're a ball handler on a team with a high usage rate player, like Adonis in this case, we're talking about Memphis, so a John Morant, you like to see that. Although Desmond Bain, he's gotten better handling the ball. He's still not at that level, in my opinion, where he, he he's no he's no Kyrie, he's no Darius Garland, you know, but he can still handle the ball enough to where he can create his own shot, come off screens, very Clay Thompson esque with his ability to shoot now off the catch. So improving that perspective. Desmond Bain, I just I just like him a lot. And I think he's gonna continue to improve. I think he's a great running mate in the backcourt next to John Morant. Shout out to the training staff, the coaching staff for making the call to draft him and develop him the way that he has over these next few over the last few years. Now, speaking of Clay Thompson, we're talking about the Warriors right now. The eighth best number two is Clay Thompson. Now, when you talk about Clay Thompson, he is not the Clay of old. He's not the guy that'll be locking up your favorite guard. He'll still have moments, I'm sure, because he's smart. He doesn't have the quickness, the agility to slide the feet like he used to, being that amazing on-ball defender that led him to so many all-star teams, all-NBA, that whole thing. But he still is one of the greatest shooters of all time. Clay Thompson still has one of the quickest releases to be recorded on the NBA court. As a basketball player, period. Some of the deepest range. He's still a threat as soon as he catches the ball to either shoot it, take a one dribble pull up. He can do so much, especially in that Golden State offense where you know Steph is the primary threat. Draymond will still hit him with some great passes, some cuts. He, and he knows the system. That's that's the main thing. He knows the, the Warrior system, and he's going to be the threat. Now, an argument can be made for Jordan Poole. And according to what I said before, when you talk about ball handlers, Jordan Poole should be the, the the facto pick, I think, just because of his play style. He's a lot more free with the ball. He has the ball on the string. He can create at all three levels. But I just trust Klay Thompson more. Obviously, multi-time champion with this squad. Jordan Poole, yes, he's been in the mix for a championship run. But at the end of the day, end of the day, the experience matters. The ability to shoot the lights out matters. Yes, Poole can make shots, but Clay, when he gets hot, the single most nuclear force outside of his teammate Stephen Curry in the entire league, bar none. You can't account for that in a playoff series when you're talking about Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole, yes, he can get hot. He can get to the basket, make some tough shots. End of 25. Maybe, maybe 40, 45% efficiency for Jordan Poole. Clay Thompson, if he gets hot, we've seen the damage he can do. We've seen the 37 in the quarter. We've seen, we've seen the 60 with barely any dribbles. I forget the total number. Maybe like seven dribbles, something like that. We've seen the nuclear performances in the playoffs against OKC, Game 6, Clay. That's a real thing. Take all that into account, and I say, Clay Thompson, if he's your number two, you're doing a damn good job. And obviously, it's paid dividends. The Warriors four-time champions with this dynastic group of Steph, Clay, and Trey. Number 
what is it, six? <laughs> six. Ten, nine, eight, seven. I can't count. Seven. Jamal Murray from the Denver Nuggets. 20 points per game, four boards, six assists. Jamal Murray, after the bubble, I thought he was going to ascend to that next tier of superstardom. Obviously, injuries have derailed that for him, although now he's healthy, he's coming back. You've seen moments here or there, the shot making still there, the creativity in the air, finishing around the basket, the dis- distribution is still there. I just feel like he compliments Jokic so well. Obviously, Jokic is one of the easier players to play with in the league just because he's unselfish to a fault. If you're open or you look open even for a second, Jokic will find a way to make that pass. He'll find a way to get you the ball in these spots that most players wouldn't even dare to attempt unless you're like a LeBron type, a Chris Paul, Magic, Stockton, Nash, those type of floor generals with the ability to make these crazy cerebral passes. So Jamal Murray's job definitely easier than some of the other guys because the attention... You know, when you have Jokic as that guy, you're always, you're not just looking at Jermaine, you're looking at, okay, well, other passes are here, make sure I'm clogging up the passing lanes because Jokic can thread a a dime crazy. So you got to think, take that into consideration. Jamal Murray, I just have the utmost confidence that once it's playoff time, obviously, again, Jokic will have the ball in his hands, but you talk about the primary Perimeter score, Michael Porter Jr. is there, and I still believe, I have full confidence in the fact that Michael Porter Jr. one day can be a guy that can average 25 for a title contending team. It's just all about the health for him. That's literally all it is, just health. He has all the tools in the book, maybe tying up the handle a little bit more, but outside of that, what can't Michael Porter Jr. do? But I've seen Jamal Murray do amazing things come postseason time, especially with the bubble. So I'm taking him over Michael Porter Jr. as a second guy on this team, the seventh best number two in the league. Pelicans, talking about CJ McCollum. Again, they have lost 10 in a row, but a lot of injuries, so I'm not going to take that into account. I still think this Pelicans team, when fully healthy, is a contender. Brandon Ingram is a name that comes to mind. I think Zion is a clear-cut number one. Brandon Ingram, this one was tough. Uh, This one was really tough. You talk about the fact that CJ McCollum is a smaller guard versus a 6'9 wing and Brandon Ingram, who's when he's on very Kevin Durant-ish with his ability to get to the mid-range pull-up to finish inside and out. There's not too many answers for him. But at the same time, I also like the ability that C.J. McCollum has as a point guard, as a dude that could facilitate. In Portland, there was a lot of Damian Lillard as that point guard. But now in Portland, excuse me, now with New Orleans, C.J. is at a point guard, so he can facilitate for you, and he can also get to his own shot. So I think that duality of being a passing threat and a scoring threat leads me to believe that C.J. McCollum, he's the number two on this team, although I can easily see the case for Brandon Ingram as well. I'm taking CJ McCollum as that dude. Very underrated, mind you. He's a guy that needs to be an all-star. I don't think he's ever been an all-star in his career. 
If he has, it's been once, if that. But again, the West has been so stacked for so many years at that guard position. It's just been tough for him to really be that dude. But he's been all-star worthy. Yeah, so he's never made an all-star team. I hope he can make it one of these years because, you know, his bag is so deep. I want to talk about that for a second. There's some guys in this league. Obviously, Kyrie Irving's name that comes to mind. Obviously, Chris Paul's name that comes to mind. Steph Curry. Uh, Tyrese Maxey's another guy. But CJ McCollum has one of the deepest bags in the NBA. The ability to stop on a dime, be able to chain two, three, four double moves together. The snatch back. He has all the moves, all the hesitations of a small guard. He's shifty, underrated speed. He has one of the deepest bags. He, he's up there with, with Kyrie, with Paul George, another guy who has a crazy bag for his size. CJ can do it all in the offensive end. He's efficient at it. And it's just a shame he was in the Western Conference because best believe if CJ happened to be in the East with his skill set, he would have been an all-star probably more than once. I feel like I can say that confidently. At least once, probably more than once, depending on the team and their success. CJ is just that talented of a guy. For him not to be an all-star to travesty, I hope he gets one before his career is all said and done. But for this Pelican squad, obviously you have Zion number one. Ingram can be that number two, number three guy. You can easily switch them around. I'm fine with that. But for me personally, I'm taking the playmaking and the scoring, the dual threat that is CJ McCollum. Next up, this just so happened that my order ended. It was all West, and now we're going to the Eastern Conference. Number five, Darius Garland for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Darius Garland, he may have been a number one before Donovan Mitchell came here. I think it would be crazy to not say Donovan Mitchell is that number one guy. Talk about his playoff experience. Talk about dropping 71 in the game. That's insane. That hasn't. That is, that's not normal. <laughs> that's not normal. I dropped 71 in the game. So shout out to Donovan Mitchell. All the love and respect for him. But Darius Garland is that dude as well. For those who follow me on Instagram, at the Dahani Joseph. I, I post Darius Garland clips pretty often, especially when he has a big game. I always see the highlights on SportsCenter or whatever page I'm following. It's just like, damn. He's so smooth with the ball handling. His shot is nothing but net once it goes in. His ability to pass a great floor general. 22 points, 8 assists on the year, 3 rebounds as well. I don't believe he made the all-star team this year, but what I do know is that he's an all-star caliber guard, no doubt about it. Darius Garland, one of my favorite point guards in the league. I think this is a clear-cut situation, although the other was, others have been a bit shaky when you talk about who's the number two. I think the hierarchy in Cleveland is pretty clear right now. Donovan Mitchell, one. Darius Garland, two. Yeah, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley as a 3A, 3B situation. And then so on and so forth. But just because Darius Garland, he's going to have the ball in his hands out. <clears throat> excuse me. He's going to have his, the ball in his hands a lot. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell as well. But when those minutes get staggered, when Darius Garland's on the floor without Donovan, 
going to be a lot of scoring by Darius Garland. going to be a lot of facilitating, similar to what Cleveland fans became accustomed to last year when he was an all-star along with Jared Allen. It's just going to be fun to see. This Cleveland team, I'm not sure if they make it to the conference finals this year. Maybe not even the semifinals. Because you have the teams ahead of them. Boston, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, although they're eh, they're they're iffy. And then Philadelphia. Cleveland's right there. Just on the precipice of getting there. The team is young, but not that young. I understand where that where that notion comes from. Darius Garland, what is it, third, fourth year? Darius I mean Donovan Mitchell has playoff experience, so I think he was twenty five, twenty six. Jared Allen's around that same age. Evan Mobley's 20, barely, if that, right now. But you still have veterans in there. Kevin Love, a champion. Ricky Rubio, uh, Robin Lopez. Uh, Who else? There's there's guys on that team that have been around the block, been in this league for a very long time, have seen a lot. I think that matters come postseason time. And yes, I understand the other teams that I mentioned ahead of them. They have guys that have either been to NBA Finals before or won championships, but once all said and done, I believe that Cleveland, they're a team that's knocking on the door in the East. They're knocking on the door. They're right there. And, again, they're young, so they have time. And Evan Mobley, it's really just about his development. Maybe in a year or two, he becomes a 20-point-per-game scorer, 10 boards, two and a half, three blocks, DPOY candidate year in, year out. That changes a lot for that team. It really does. But all that to say, Darius Garland's number two on this team. Next up, number four, James Harden, a guy that did not make the all-star team this year. Should he have made the all-star team? Yeah, probably. Probably should have made the all-star team. Uh, a lot of people say Tyrese Halliburton sort of took that spot. Maybe Drew Holiday as well. I can see Drew being more reasonable than... Tyrese, although I love Tyrese Halliburton, and I've been on the account, been on the record multiple times saying that Tyrese Halliburton will one day be an all-star, and perennially so, he'll be an all-star, but the Bucks are one of the top teams, so it makes sense for them to have two all-stars. I'm not mad about that. James Harden is, <laughs> he believes he should have been an all-star as a 2-3 three, three seed, depending on timing, along with Joel Embiid, both should have been an all-star. You look at the numbers, too. 21, 6 rebounds, 11 assists. And honestly, if his teammates make more shots, he could average close to 14, 15 assists because he facilitates the ball almost as well as anybody in the league right now. We've seen it in Houston. We've seen him and his ability to get downhill, although that's slowed down a tiny, nah, more than a tiny bit. It's, it's slowed down the rate at which he attacks the paint, gets to the free throw line, but he still has the ability to make the, the no-look passes, he has Joel Embiid, so that helps a lot. The the drop-off passes, him in the post, facilitating on the break. He's one of the best playmakers in the league. Top five, in my opinion. So we take that into the account. And again, he's still a great scorer, giving you 21 a night. He's not the 30 points, 36 points per game Harden that we know. He's not getting to the free throw line at that rate that he was back then. But in a playoff series... And I know this is very, very controversial. A lot of people do not believe in James Harden in the postseason. And for very good reason. I can't be mad at that whatsoever. 
But when you have Joel Embiid, if he's healthy, he's going to be the number one threat. You have James Harden as a guy who can score on the perimeter. He has to make his shots. He's going to get the open shots. It's not a matter of if he's going to be able to get shots. He's going to be able to get his own. He's going to be able to step back, do the things that we all know and love James Harden for. It's just about if he makes it. And a lot of people, for that reason, they might skew a little bit towards Tyrese Maxey as a number two guy. I personally just, I, I trust James, which is very hard to do for a lot of people. People would rather give Tyrese Maxey that nod as a number two guy. I think it's a bit too early for Tyrese Maxey. He has the talent. He has the potential. He just needs time. He needs reps in the postseason. That's the only reason I'm kind of hesitant in giving him that next, that number two spot. So, James Harden for me on the Sixers. Next up, we have a guy that we mentioned before, Drew Holiday, who got his second All-Star appearance. The last time he was an All-Star, he was a 76er. And that was early 2010s. So, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. 19 points per game, 5 boards, 7 assists. I just feel like the league sort of had to give the Bucks a second All-Star. Obviously, Giannis was there. But it was like, okay, Chris Middleton isn't there. He usually... Is that second guy, and he's always deserving of an all-star. I, Chris Middleton's my guy. <laughs> that's that's my dude. Severely underrated in the NBA, and I'm so upset he couldn't make he couldn't be healthy. He would be in the all-star game. But Drew Holiday, he's the third guy on this list, number three. So he's up here for a good reason, man. His defense, all NBA defender for the majority of his career. He's a guy that can score. Just under 20 points a night. He'll facilitate. He's a bigger guard, a 6'4", strong, and hold his own, even against some of the matchups against the forwards in the Eastern Conference at times. He can bully smaller guards in the post. Rebounds as well. Five boards, great for a guard. I mean, you can't ask for too too much more for Drew Holiday to do. And he's had some streaky performances during the stretch where Chris Middleton isn't there. But by and large, he's been their second best player behind Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's been their main perimeter threat. He's been that first line of defense when you talk about going up against the premier guards in the East. The Kyrie Irvings, the Trey Youngs, and the Jante Murrays, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. He's that first guy. And in the postseason, that's going to be intensified even more. We saw him win a championship. We saw him play defense on Chris Paul, Devin Booker, all those guys throughout that entire run. We know what Drew Holiday is capable of. That's why he's an all-star this year. Probably made an all-star game a few more times than he did. It's going to be sad that he probably, this is probably going to be the only other time he gets an all-star, to be quite honest with you. Just because the talent in the East is rising. The the young guards, Tyrese Maxey, he could blossom, have an even better season next season. Philly might be better. Indiana will be better, so Tyrese might get that nod. Who knows where Kyrie Irving goes if he stays in the East. He's an all-star for sure. It's very difficult to tell. But what I will say is this. The Bucks. it's only a matter of time before Chris Middleton gets whole. And that team is contending for a championship. Drew Holiday. He will be the third player, the third best player on that team once Chris Middleton comes back. I'm just a firm believer in Chris Middleton's ability to be a clutch scorer in the fourth quarter when P- 
people will try and hack Giannis when they'll build a wall. Chris Middleton is the guy that I'll give the ball to on the wing and say, go, to take us to the promised land, create, isolate, do what you got to do. And he'll come up big more times than not. Number two on this list, I guess, yeah, yeah, number two. Uh, I thought we were going backwards for a second. Number two, Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets might not be a Brooklyn Net. Let's, let's talk about that first before we even get to why he's number two, even though it's pretty obvious. So Kyrie, he requested a trade yesterday. I was shocked, honestly, the fact that he requested a trade when Kevin Durant was fully healthy, the Nets were rivaling Boston for a number one seed in the Eastern Conference. They had a double-digit win streak. If Kevin Durant was healthy, I see no reason why that win streak, it, it may have stopped. It may have kept going. They probably would have gotten another one on solely because Kevin Durant has been playing at an MVP level. Why leave that if you're Kyrie Irving? Why try and go to a situation where they're going to have to give up a significant amount to even get you at this point. So you're taking away from the team that you're going to. What situation right now is better than Brooklyn? You have Kevin Durant, an MVP candidate. You have Nick Claxton, a most, most improved player, potentially. You have TJ Warren. You have Seth Curry. You have Joe Harris. For all that he's done so far, Ben Simmons, you know, he could still be a defender. He could still facilitate for you. There's a lot of pieces on this team. Patty Mills, a champion. They can win the East. There's no doubt in my mind. They had the potential to win the East. So why would Kyrie Irving decide to get up and go? I understand the contract extension situation. They weren't able to find an agreement. But if that's the case, why request a trade? Why not just play the season out? Contend for a title in Brooklyn with your boy, Kevin Durant. That was a big thing coming over to Brooklyn. You're, you're with your dude, Kevin Durant. Why leave the situation? He's going to come back. If not at All-Star break, a little bit after All-Star break. And y'all can just cruise with a number two seed probably. I feel like they'll attain that. Maybe even number one. Maybe even get the number one seed. Go throughout the playoffs. Contend for a championship. And then free agency comes. If you want to leave, leave. If you want to get an extension, I mean, if you want to get a new contract with Brooklyn, do that. But why would you try and go to another team where you'd have to deplete their roster or at least a significant piece or two from that roster and try and contend somewhere else? A lot of people say the Lakers. I just feel like the league is going to somehow make the Lakers... It's going to happen some way, one way or another. LeBron, obviously, is going to break the scoring. He's going to take that scoring record from Kareem next game or the game after that. Anthony Davis, when he's healthy, has shown that he can be an all-NBA guy, even though we all knew that. It's good to see him play at that level again. You're going to have to probably trade Russell Westbrook, although I'm not sure how the salary works with that. I'm not sure how they can trade him. I'm not going to speculate. I'm going to have to trade those first-round picks that have been coveted for what reason. I'm not sure. But it will be very interesting to see Kyrie Irving with the Los Angeles Lakers. I'll admit. Because 
Yes, the Lakers, they aren't in the playoffs. I think they're in the play-in mix right now. Can you imagine putting Kyrie Irving, who's averaging 27 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, next to LeBron James, who's averaging damn near 30? Anthony Davis, if he's on the court half the time, if he can stay healthy in the postseason, the amount of damage that they can wreck in the Western Conference, for, forget everybody else they have, just those three players alone, what they can do. Combined, they're going to give you around, what, 70 Maybe even 80 points a night just from those three alone. You just have to have other guys that can defend, make a few shots. And this team could easily find themselves in the conference finals if they figure out the right trade. Um, I don't know who you throw in. Maybe Westbrook, maybe those picks. Austin Reeves, maybe. There, there's not too many options in that perspective. It's going to be tough. Uh, Mavericks. I know I talked about Spencer Dinwiddie, but obviously Kyrie Irving is a major, major improvement from Spencer Dinwiddie. Kyrie's a champion. I, I don't think that they would really want his, his issues that he brings off the court. But if you're talking about getting Luka a secondary guy, who better than Kyrie Irving as a, as a ball handler? You know he can carry for stretches. He can carry for quarters at a time. So Luka won't have to do everything himself. Again, the trade package will be interesting to find out what that would be. Maybe uh, Dinwiddie, some picks, uh, Jaden Hardy. It'll be interesting to see what that happens, what comes up with that. I also saw Miami in the mix. Eh, I saw in that one. I know it was like Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, some picks. Maybe Max Struess. That might actually be probably the most enticing deal for the Brooklyn Nets. Especially if they can somehow get Tyler Hero out of that. I think that would work for both sides pretty well. I wouldn't be mad if that actually came to fruition. Um, some people were saying Denver. I don't think Denver would happen solely because, again, Jamal Murray's there. You can say, all right, Kyrie's better than Jamal Murray. How much better is he than Jamal Murray? If Kyrie's like a a four-and-a-half star, Jamal Murray, I think, can be a four- or four-and-a-half star guy at his best. Um, what else? Those are those are the main trades. I also saw a Timberwolves one, which I don't know how much that helps. Obviously, Kyrie's better than D'Angelo Russell. There's no doubt about that. But the Timberwolves are in a weird place right now with the Gobert and Town situation. I'm not sure how that's going to work out in the long term. That was a win-now move, and they're around the same spot that they were in last year in terms of, all right, you're not bad enough to get a top pick, but you're not good enough to really be a playoff contender or, excuse me, a championship contender. Playoffs, maybe you'll get into a playing spot. It's, it's, it's tough for the Timberwolves, no doubt about that, but... Kyrie Irving, no matter where he goes, he's going to be a scorer. He's going to be box office. He's going to be a star attraction. There's no doubt about that. It's just about who's going to give up what to get him. But as of right now, as a Brooklyn Nut, Kyrie Irving, he is the second best player on that team. When Kevin Durant's healthy right now, he's number one player. But assuming Kevin Durant's health, Kyrie Irving's number two guy in this list. Number one. 
Jalen Brown on the Boston Celtics. Now wait, now wait, now wait. People are going to say, oh, you're a Celtics fan. Oh, oh, you're a hypocrite. Or, or just a, a, bunch of, a bunch of stuff. People say a bunch of stuff. Maybe not a hypocrite. This biased comes to mind. And I thought, I thought this through. I really thought this through before I, I decided to make this list, before I decided to make this episode. I was like, okay, who's the number one guy that I would want as a number two? I value being able to be a ball handler. I value shot creation. I value defense. And mind you, we're not talking about just the regular season. We're talking about postseason. We're talking about winning a championship. That's why I chose the contenders. I didn't choose every number two guy in the league. I chose specifically contenders. We're talking about going all the way. Who would you who would you want to have? When you talk about an all NBA defender, when you talk about a guy that can score, a guy that can at times facilitate, although he's definitely not a facilitator like a lot of the other guards in the league. A lot of the guards that I mentioned on this list. But when it's all said and done, Jalen Brown averaging twenty seven points, he's gonna be an all NBA guy. Guard slash forward, whatever you want to put him. Second team, I I I I bet second team. I bet second team, if not definitely third team. I also think he should have been the All NBA. Oh, see, not All NBA, All Star starter. Donovan Mitchell, he has seventy one points. So I feel like you kind of have to put him as a starter, just because of that performance. If he didn't have that, I I would bet my bottom dollar that Jalen Brown would have been All Star starter. Jalen Brown, again, 27-7 boards, three assists. That number should be up, in my opinion. He can create his own offense. He can create for others at times. An all-NBA defender. The Robins to Jason Tatum's Batman. He's going to guard, if not the best player on the opposing team, the second-best guy. And these things matter in the postseason. These things matter if you're trying to be a contender trying to be a finals team like the Celtics were last year. We saw he was a constant number two guy. At times, even in the NBA Finals when Tatum was sort of struggling. Even going back to the Miami series, Jalen Brown, he looked to take over. And in many games, he did. I think that's one thing. Again, you can say Kyrie Irving can take over at that. At times, James Harden. A, a few guys on the list, they can definitely take over. But I think we talk about the ability to take over an offensive end, the ability to stop the opposing team's best player, second best player. You have Jalen Brown. Plus, he's strong. He's athletic. If I had added the Clippers onto this list, Paul George would probably be in my top three, top top five, top three, for the same reasons. He's a lanky defender. He's a guy that can give you 20-plus a night. Great defense, all all of the above. He could facilitate. But that's my list. That's my list of number twos in the NBA as it comes to contenders. Again, this is just my list of people who I think can contend. Some people might add, might not have the Pelicans on this list. They might instead have the Clippers. It all depends on who you are, what your perspective is. But again, the Mavericks, Spencer Dinwiddie, number 10. Desmond Bay, number nine. Clay Thompson, number eight. Jamal Murray, seven. CJ McCollum, six. Darius Carlton, five. James Harden, four. 
Drew Holiday, number three, Kyrie Irving, number two, Jalen Brown, the number one, number two in the NBA today. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the From Downtown Podcast. Please make sure you guys rate five stars so we can move on the algorithm. More people can tune into our amazing show. And we need to start bringing that more consistently. This is, what, the second episode, maybe third of 2023? That's not the start that I was looking for. And to be completely honest, you know, school has been a lot. You have all the activities I'm doing daily or on Z89. Excuses, excuses, I understand. I got to do better. Point blank, period. So I need to continue cranking out more episodes. And we're going to get one sooner than later. I know definitely for the All-Star break, we're bringing a guest on that show. We've been meaning to get them all for a while. We actually did an episode before, but the audio file got corrupted, so we couldn't use it. But we are bringing him back, so that's exciting. It's going to be an all-star break, probably all-star weekend or right before all-star weekend, so we can make some predictions on the events, who's going to win it. And again, the NBA, sooner before you know it, it's going to be postseason time. Going to see who's going to win the championship. We're going to see who's going to win all the awards. The home stretch is almost upon us, and I'm excited for it. I'm ready to see what becomes of the Kyrie Irving situation. I want to see where he goes. Will it be the Lakers? I feel like it's going to be the Lakers. But maybe it's Miami. Maybe it's the Mavericks. I'll be glued to my phone to see whenever that information drops on that trade. If the trade even happens, and... Not only that, what if Kevin Durant decides to request a trade once Kyrie Irving leaves? That will be interesting to see how that happens, what will happen in that situation, who's going to give up what to try and get Kevin Durant. I want to say Sacramento, and the reason why, again, giving up what to get him, I'm not quite sure, but I just feel like their team, Phoenix as well, Ooh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because <laughs> I remember DeAndre Ayton, he's, from what I remember, he wasn't exactly thrilled to come back to Phoenix. Is there a trade there where Kevin Durant for DeAndre Ayton swap? Or maybe Kyrie Irving goes for DeAndre Ayton, brings DeAndre Ayton to Brooklyn. Maybe KD's like, all right, I could work with that. Although Nick Claxton might have something to say about that. Hmm. Decisions, decisions, man. I'm glad I'm not an NBA GM right now because I'd be going crazy over this NBA deadline. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. Until next time, y'all. Take care.